I want to talk to you for a little bit on our series, So Basic, and I want to start in, um, in a, with a text in John. And the, the beautiful thing about this series is we were talking about uh, finding a window last week that you can actually pray a window open, that when you give, God opens blessings from heaven down that only God can open and no man can shut. Remember that last week? Was that okay? Did you enjoy that? And when you pray, you may have doors closed in your face. You may have doors closed in your life. But there's always a window to heaven that you can open. Amen. Just like Daniel, before the window, every morning, evening, and afternoon, or lunch and evening, God closed the mouth of the lion. And he said that he will, if you give your tithes and offerings, and I'm not an offering preacher, but we were talking about that last week. He said, if you'll give your tithes and offering. Prove me in that, and I will open a window from heaven, and I will rebuke the devourer. Sounds a lot like Daniel's story, doesn't it? That when he went to the window and opened a window, God opened a window and rebuked the devourer. The lion's mouth was closed. I think there's a little parallel there. Did you notice that from last Sunday? And so this Sunday, we want to talk about something else that's just so basic. And we know that that's a cultural thing that's, that's come out of uh, rap music, and they, they, they use that as saying that you're, just, you're not interested in deeper things. You just want your latte and your, and your, you know, your, your basic life all taken care of, and you're only interested in selfish things. But there is a push in the language to take back the word basic. I don't know if you know this or not. But they're taking it back from the slang, and they want to bring it back to an understanding that the basic things are actually some of the most important things. Amen? The basic things in our life that we do are what builds a strong life. And so that's what we're focused on. And I want to talk a little bit about grace and truth today. Everybody say grace. Everybody say truth. John 1 in verse 6, it says this. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. How many know Jesus is that light? Amen. Sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. But, or be, sorry, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power. Everyone say power. That's the same word used in Scripture when it says, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of men, but of God. And the word was made flesh. Here it is. God, Logos, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And he beheld his glory, we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. This is the first time in the most beautiful aspect of Scripture where we see grace and truth linked together. Amen. Lord, bless the hearing of your word and bless us as we sow this word into our heart and may it establish something in us, that desire, that desire in us. May it be quickened to be everything that you want us to be in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 
grace and truth is not normally put together in the same sentence. Um, scripture even tells us that you're supposed to speak the truth in love because truth has harsh edges. In fact, truth is not always even um, accepted in most of our culture today. In fact, um, relativism has become so popular and, and also, you know, synchronism and, and pragmatic uh, thinking has taken over a lot of our culture, but there is still a truth, amen? And truth is not a concept or a doctrine. Truth is a person. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So when you have Jesus in your life, you have truth in your life, amen? And so when people say, well, how do you know your truth is the truth? Because we know that our truth is a person who came and died for us and saved us. And someone should say amen there. Amen. So the illustration of grace and truth that I brought with me today is going, I'm going to need some help. But um, in order for me to share with you what this means, it's, it's probably easier for me to tell you that grace is the unmerited favor of God. It is that thing that saves, that allowed us to be saved. It's, it's the love of God that put grace in between truth for us. That we literally, because all men have sinned and come short of the glory of God, the Bible says that there, there is a truth that we all deserved uh, damnation. We all deserved hell. But the truth of the matter is also that hell was not created for man, but for fallen angels. And God, in his masterful love, love for us created an overture of grace and mercy. And he sent that overture through his son in order that he would die for us and that grace would be expressed at Golgotha. That grace would be expressed through the body of Jesus Christ in dying for us and being our perfect substitute. Grace is costly, brothers and sisters. Grace costs a whole lot. And when we see the grace of God, we know Ephesians 2 and 8 tells us beautifully that we are saved by grace through faith, amen, and that it is the gift of God. And so gifts from God come through grace, and grace is also a gift. They're both one and the same, but then also we know that grace helps us to live out truth, amen, because truth is sometimes difficult. We tend to be people who can self-justify. We can, we can take something that we want to do, and we can explain it away, even if if it is a sin, even if the word of God is against it, we can take those truths and set them aside and say, I, I but I, I need this, or, or this is not really something that God would expect from me. But the, the truth of the matter is, truth doesn't change, amen? Truth stays the same. And so the grace and truth illustration is much better seen than expressed through words. I can tell you that because it's harder for you to understand how God's grace brings us to truth and Unless you see it. And I need Brother Reese, maybe. Can I have you for a minute, Brother Rob? You guys are always very helpful. I need you to help me with this. Is this okay? Can you guys handle an illustration today? I need one of you on this side of the platform with this rope in your hand. And I need one of you on that side with this rope in your hand stretched all the way around. Okay. And um, should we take a vote? Who should be truth and who should be grace? I think we're going to make Rob the truth. He looks he looks very nice today. Thank you, Rob. He looked very very snappy. And then we're going to make you grace, okay? So this is the picture of scripture when it says we're saved by grace through faith and we have to understand that grace 
is what gives us the ability to recognize that we need to be saved, okay? That we are sinners and that we have all sinned. All men have fallen short, like I said. But this line between grace and truth is, is not, is not a, a line that needs to be set up like we have it right here. But this is the life that some people leave as Christians. The Christian life stands here. And in, in, in the culture that we live in, we have seen hyper grace or, what, or grace that just allows you to do whatever you want to do. Like this is, this is the sprinkling of Jesus over the life that doesn't change. But there is also a truth. God finds us where we are. Don't get me wrong. And God loves you where you are. If you're listening online, he loves you right where you're at. But he doesn't leave us where we're at. We, we have to understand that truth wants to bring us closer to the Lord. Amen? Truth wants us to go this way. But if you have a life as the average Christian does in, in a lot of modern understanding, they understand that I can do whatever I want to do. I can live a life of grace. I can have this hyper grace. And no matter who I am or what I am, I have my own truth. I don't need to go toward truth because truth is now a relative. And, and my truth is my truth. And your truth is your truth. But I have grace. And I, and I know Jesus. And I walk with God. But the truth of the matter is you're going further from truth. You're going toward a hyper grace that does not save you. It's, a, it's an understanding from the world that does not solve the problem. But the, the way that the, the Christian should be is the Christian should be drawn to truth. And the way that God set that up is to use grace to do it. Now, what I need you to do is I need you to wrap around and go meet Rob right over there. If you can you do that. This is the way that scripture pictures grace and truth. It says you are saved by grace. Now, you guys both stand facing that direction, okay? All right, very good. Now, we have grace and truth both working together. And the Christian life is that you have, sometimes you are going to need grace in your life. Yeah, go ahead and hold on to it, guys. And sometimes you will find yourself able to live the truths of God's word. And there are sometimes you will just make mistakes and you'll, you'll accidentally do something that needs more grace. But notice what's happening. I'm moving closer to truth even though I'm leaning on grace. Even though I'm leaning on God's grace, both, both things are happening at the same time. While I'm asking God, Lord, forgive me for what I did, or Lord, help me with this, or Lord, I have a temper, or I have a problem, or I have difficulty, or I just can't seem to have patience with that one family member that gets on every single nerve. Can, can you help me preach today? <laughs> when you need a lot of grace in a situation, when you're pulling on grace, you're actually moving toward truth. And that's the way God set up his word is he wants us to not only love the truth, but also be thankful for the grace of God in our life. Be thankful for something that's drawing us. And as you're holding on to one, it's pulling you toward the other. And as you're reaching for one, it's pulling you toward the other. This is the life of the true Christian. This is the life of the real Christian, the, the authentic Christian, not the one that's just using grace to go wherever they want to to go, but is actually desirous of truth in their life. They desire the word of God. They open it in the morning. They read it in the evening, and they want to know, what does God want me to do? What? How should I live? What pleases heaven? What pleases God? And grace is not an excuse to sin, like Paul said. No, God forbid, but grace is actually pulling together with truth, because I desire truth, and grace is there for my mistake. So therefore, Paul says, amen, that we cannot desire the truth and then live life however we want to. 
We have to let it pull together. We have to be willing to be drawn to truth and be brought by grace. Amen. Give them a big hand for helping us with that illustration. Please do. Yeah. And so you see that some people desire God but don't know how to come to God. They desire the things of God but they don't know how to quite understand grace. And if you look at that text that I read to you, verse 15, John bears witness of him and cried, saying, this was he whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me, and of his fullness have all we received. He's saying, of his grace and truth, we have received. We celebrate it because not only is grace good, but he says we have received and grace for grace. First time I've ever seen in scripture studying that I seen grace for grace. And I didn't quite understand it until I began to dig into the original text. And it's saying we have joy for grace. We have desire and, and happiness. We, we have an understanding of his tender kindness toward us, that his grace was extended to us because he doesn't want us to fail. He doesn't want us to fall. He doesn't want us to backslide. He doesn't want us to compromise, amen? He doesn't want us to have that, 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 that synchronism that the world talks about where you just become whatever the world wants you to be. And the scripture talks about authentic people and being real. And so the, dif the, the difference between grace and truth is if you're willing to live a real life. And James says we're looking into that. We're looking into the, the possibilities of being people of God. And, and authentic people are people that live three ways. Number one, they live a unified life, a unified life. That's our, that's our goal this year is, and our theme for the, for the year is to be unified, stronger together. And I know everyone is using that right now everywhere, but I felt the Lord gave that to me before it became a marketing ploy for every single advertisement on TV. I honestly thought that God was speaking to me and personally telling me in, in my own devotion to life that if you can become more real, that God's grace can become more beautiful and it can impact people that don't know who he is because when you're walking with God and you have both grace and truth, you'll find people that need more grace in their life and you can pull them up and tie them to that rope of grace. And then you'll find people that are just searching for the truth Truth, and you can pull them up and you can anchor them to the rope of truth. And while you're walking toward God, you just take whoever you can with you. You just take them with. There's going to be some people that fall down a lot of times on their walk with God and on their way to truth. But you just keep on putting them back on the rope of grace and, and helping them back up and saying, it's going to be okay. You're going to make it. God is with you. And then helping others find truth. Those that have strong minds and are critical thinkers and they need answers right away. Keep on pointing them to Jesus. Keep on pointing them to the rope of truth and let them hold on to that. Through these times, we need something to hang on to. And that brings a unified life where your life is not just lived for you, but for others that you can pick up and carry with you on your way to heaven. Brothers and sisters, that is the life we're called to, being real people walking in grace and truth. And someone said, amen.
Number two, authentic people are increasingly transparent. Their life becomes more and more real. You don't have to hide things when you're walking with God. And you don't have to hide things when you're walking in grace. God knows that we all need his grace, amen? We all need the blood of the lamb applied to our life on a regular basis. But we find joy in grace. We find grace in grace, amen? Grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful for him coming. I'm so grateful that he brought grace and truth to my life. I'm so grateful that I know if I trip up, it's not me falling down and never able to get back up again. I'm grateful that he helps me. And number three, being a real and authentic person means that you remain broken before God. You remain humble is what that means. You remain, it's, I know it's basic. I know it's so basic. But you live a unified life. You become increasingly more transparent and that's how you impact people because your transparency is your testimony. What God has done for me, where God has brought me from, how God has helped me, how God put my marriage back together, how God helped me be strong when I didn't think I could, how God helped me to push off temptations, how God helped me to walk in truth, how God helped me not to trip and fall in places I used to trip and fall, amen? How I can live holy and righteous through him and through his Holy Spirit in me, amen, somebody. Plastic people, I was... I was watching a Facebook Marketplace ad, and I was scrolling through, and I was looking for a vehicle because I needed a vehicle, and and I was just out there trying to figure out what's out there, what the cost of vehicles are, and and um, and I was scrolling through, and this ad pops up, and it says "Real Rolex Replicas." That doesn't make sense at all. And what was crazy was I. I started, I looked at them, and they looked so nice. I mean, these are supposed to be $25,000 watches, and you can buy them now for $85, and they look like the real thing. And I'm like, that is amazing. If I wanted to show some bling, I would do that. I would buy it $85 and just know. You, you, you can walk up to me and go, wow, wow, nice job. You got a $25,000 watch. And I'm like, 85? No, of course I would tell them how much I paid for it because I'm from the Midwest. That's the first thing you do. Nice outfit. Oh, I got this at Target at $15. I would always, I would blow it. I wouldn't even be able to keep this, the, the charade up. I'd be like, yeah, 25000 You should see my Maserati in the parking lot. It wouldn't work for me. I'm too transparent. I'd be like, yeah, this is a great old Rolex, 85 bucks online. I would just mess the whole, you know, fake thing up. But the problem with being plastic or not being real is you can't ever be trusted. And God wants to trust us with truth, amen? He wants to put precious truths in our life, and he can't do it if we're fake people. He can't do it if he can't trust us to not only care for the truth that he lays into our lives in Revelation, but also for us to be willing and willing enough to be so, so real that we share it with others, that we give those truths out, that we don't keep them for ourselves, but we share them with others. The ability to be conformed also is lost if you're not a real person. 
the ability to be conformed to the image of Christ, to be conformed to who he wants us to be. And, and I know Romans 12 hits this so heavy when it says, when Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. What you do with your body matters, amen? And so he said, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is not over in abundance, not you just going way out there and being super religious. He's no, it's your reasonable service, amen? It's what is expected of you because of all he has done for you on the cross, amen, and in your life, and all the truths he's revealed to you. It's your reasonable service, verse 2 said, and be not conformed to this world. It's a long Greek word I will not say because it's very difficult. If I tried, I would just botch it. But it means to be fa to fashion oneself, to fashion oneself or to conform oneself in your mind and your character to another's pattern. He's saying, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be pressed. Do not be fake or plastic, malleable people that can be conformed or bent or put into the mold of another or the world and shaped like the world. Don't think like the world. Don't have character like the world. Don't talk like the world. Don't walk Walk like the world. He's saying, don't be plastic people. Don't be real Rolex replicas. Do not be those kind of people because you cannot be God's people and be molded to this world. You have to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. And then he said that you will know the perfect by doing so, by not being conformed to this world, but being transformed. Metamorphosis is what the word metamorpho comes from. It's the original word. It means like a, like a calipiter goes in to the chrysalis and comes out the butterfly. It's being metamorphed. It's, it's being changed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed or changed by the renewing of your mind, it says, and that you might find the perfect will of God in doing so. Be not conformed to this world. Here's the verse. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove. Everyone say prove. What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? How many want the will of God in your life? Amen. How many know there's two, there's two basic understandings, and this is so basic series, so I have to hit this. Number one, there is a conditional will of God, and then there is an unconditional will of God. How many have ever heard um, the permissive and perfect will of God? You've heard those kind of terms floating around. The, the conditional will of God for your life is waiting upon you to do something, and then God will release what he wants to release. The unconditional will of God is God will do it whether you ha have any part in it or not. God's will will be done on the earth regardless of what man does. Amen? Are you glad about that right now in this culture we live in? I'm glad that there are some unconditional will of God that's at work in the world, even though the evil one is hard at work and we see the rise of the spirit of the Antichrist. I know that regardless of whether the devil played all his cards in 2020 or he's still playing all his cards in 2021, there's still a perfect, untouchable, beautiful will of God that's at work in the earth and it is an 
an unconditional will of God. It shall happen regardless of what this world does. But then there is a conditional will of God. It says, if you will, I will. And we don't know the difference between the two. As human beings, we cannot find the difference between God's conditional will and God's unconditional will. And that's why scripture tells us to pray without ceasing. Because when you pray, you release God to do his conditional will in your life and his unconditional will at the exact same time. When you pray regularly, you're forming yourself and conforming yourself to the will of God, not the world. Amen? And so that's why we talked so much last week about having a prayer life and having a giving life where you give not only monetarily but give of yourself because in doing so, you're constantly placing yourself in the perfect will of God. Do you know the perfect will of God for your life? Pastor, I don't know. Guess what? Pastor doesn't either. Don't come to me and ask me for the perfect will of God for your life. You know what I'll say? Go pray. (laughs) You got me. I mean, I can guess. I can pray and ask the Lord for you, and he may be able to tell me, but the chances are you need to find the perfect will of God for yourself. Amen? Through a prayer life, through spending time in God's presence. And so regardless of how we approach the will of God, we have to understand that the will of God is made perfect through our prayer life in us. Amen? And being conformed to what he wants us to be. How many want to be all that God wants you to be? How many want to be real and authentic in God's presence? How many don't want to be real replicas? Amen. I want to be all that God wants me to be. There's a beautiful child story. Maybe you remember it. It's produced. Um, it was produced many years ago, but it's been revised in 2017. And it's the story of the Velveteen Rabbit. Anybody ever heard this story? It's a child's book, The Velveteen Rabbit. The Velveteen Rabbit, you know the story then. It was um, about a little rabbit that was given to a boy at Christmas, and it was a beautiful little rabbit, and he took it and he put it with all the other toys. And the Velveteen Rabbit was watching all the other toys and was really not really accepted too much. I mean, the, the mechanical toys, they all were busy doing the toy things that they needed to do, and they were, they were constantly, you know, taking care of all the, the important things that they thought were important, even though they were just toys. They had busyness, and they were, and, and they were important far more important than the Velveteen Rabbit. But as the Velveteen Rabbit got to know some of the other toys, it recognized that the old old horse, the the skin horse that was there, there was a very wise and precious horse and, and, and knew very, very, very keen things about the toys and also about those that loved the toys. And, and so even though the, the mechanical toys were busy and, and they, they had their swagger and they boasted of all that they needed to do, the rabbit decided that it was going to hang out with the skin horse and, and only with the skin horse because the skin horse knew that there was more important things than just being busy. And Skin Horse wasn't much to look at, even though it had wisdom. Its brown coat was faded, and and it, it seems showed underneath, and it, was, and it was old, but it was wise. And all the toys, when they were lined up and the children would come in, they would run to the old horse. And the rabbit was like, why do they run to you? Why do they love you so much? And the old horse said, it's because... I'm real. 
I'm real. And so the rabbit began to ask questions like, how do you, how do you become real? How, how is it that you became real? And the skin, source said, skin horse said, oh, it takes a long time. It takes a long time become, to become real. And, and then the rabbit said, but does it hurt? Does it hurt to become real? And, and the skin horse said, oh, yes, yeah, it, it can hurt to become real. It takes quite a long time, and it can hurt. It's the hardest thing to become. And then the rabbit asked, do, do you become real when you have like cranks or, or you have different things that, uh, that you wind up on you? Is that whenever you become real? And the horse said, no, no. It takes a long time. It doesn't happen often to people who are easily broken or have sharp edges or need to be cared for. It takes a long time. But if you are willing to be loved and to be real, you're going to have to lose some hair. You're going to have to lose maybe a few eyes drop out. <laughs> you have to get some saggy joints. Am I preaching to anybody? No? This another, I'm feeling older. I think I'm more loved. I hope so. And once you become real, though, you can never be ugly to the one that loves you. Can I tell you um, that Jesus loves you? Sorry for the emotion, but it is a real emotion for me that no matter what you have for flaws and failures, when you look in the mirror, Jesus sees something beautiful, and he loves you. Casting Crowns once had a song, and it was a song that I enjoyed when I was younger. It was called The Stained Glass Masquerade. Anybody remember this song? And it had a line in it that said, are we happy plastic people? with shiny plastic steeples, with walls around our weakness and smiles to hide our pain. But if the invitation is open to every heart that is broken, I can't read my own writing, <laughs> to every heart that is broken, may then we close the curtain on our stained glass masquerade. I wonder today, if there's not a place where we can find not only being real, but letting grace and truth be powerful in our life, the truth that we can repent and be baptized in the precious name of Jesus, the truth that his spirit can fill our lives. God needs a people who are willing to be true to his word, amen, and not be conformed to this world. George MacDonald said this, he said, the world can nearly do anything better than the church. He said, when it comes to like production or design or systems, the world can do it better than the church. He said, but this, but in this case, only the church should be better at showing grace to anyone and anything else. Amen. The church may not be the best system. The church may not be the best at design. The church may not be the best at getting it done. But the church better be the best, hear me, brothers and sisters, at loving people and showing grace and pulling them toward truth through grace. Amen? Church better be the best at that because that's what he died to do. I know it's basic. The church doesn't owe anybody anything, but Jesus died for everybody to find him. And so we know that even though truth 
may be truth whether we believe it or not, because that is what truth means. And truth may delineate lies from truth just by being truth. And some people may not like that. The truth is still necessary. Amen. Church doesn't do anybody any good if they're plastic, though. And that's what I wanted to tell you today, that I want to be a real Christian. Anybody else want to be a real Christian and live the unified life? Jim Klimmer said once, he said, reputation is what people think I am. Personality, that's what I seem to be. And character, that's what I really am. A unified life brings all of these three together and breaks down barriers until they are all one, until your reputation, your personality, and your character are all the same, until you're formed and look like Christ, amen, until these three begin to look like the one that saved you, and you begin to live a unified life. One is the most powerful number on planet Earth, and our God is one, amen, and he wants us to be one and unified. Not, not like the world says synchronization where you take all these different parts and beliefs and they can all fit together because they don't. But the fact that we believe what God says about us, that we are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. We are stronger. That we, have, we are in the world, but he has overcome the world. Amen? All the things that he says about us, when you begin to apply it, you want to live a better reputation in front of men. You want to have a personality that speaks of Jesus Christ. You want to have a character that looks like him because you begin to take on his characteristics. And then you find yourself holistically integrated into something known as integrity, spiritual integrity, where you walk the walk and you talk the, yeah, amen. It's so basic, I know. But let's let grace lead us to truth. And truth change our lives. You see, I don't live for God, and I don't live in the Word so that I can just manipulate and get what God wants to give me through grace, because grace has many gifts, and when God gives a gift, he does not take it back. So I'm not just living for the gifts. I'm living for the truth that becomes relevant in my life and that I can live, and grace becomes the place that I live it. So maybe you're today wondering, how do I do that? How do I live a life? Well, make sure what you say and what you do are the same. Make sure what you say and what you do matches. And I'll finish with this scripture today because I believe it's important for us to see in 1 John when the, the beloved John is writing, he says, this is, this is the theology of plastic people. They say, but they don't do. And the thing about truth and grace working together is you may have grace evident in your life, but it's going to bring you to a place where you act on truth. Belief is not just a mental ascension. Belief is actually in Scripture where you act on what you know to be true. When you see it in Scripture, you have to act upon it. That is what it means to be 
a true Christian. And so in 1 John, the scripture tells us if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Everyone say truth. How many want to do the truth? Amen. So if you say, if you say that you walk with him, but you walk in darkness, you're not pulling, you're not using grace to pull you toward truth. And then the next one he says, if we say, here it is again, but if we walk in the light, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the what is not in us. But we rejoice because we have grace to handle sin for the truth. So we can't call ourselves as not being sinners. We can't stand up and say, I'm, I'm so clean and so right and so holy. No, that doesn't do anybody any good. But when we say, I was once lost in sin, but Jesus brought me in, amen, and he changed my life. He pulled me out of darkness into marvelous light. Then the truth is not in us if we don't say that we have fallen. And then the next verse is verse 10. I'm jumping 6, 8, and 10 here because I want you to see if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. This is what the scripture says about you being fake or plastic. So it was interesting that I saw this ad and then some of this that I have talked to you about today, I saw a morning devotion and Brother Gurley was talking about it and I pulled some of that from his morning devotion so I give him credit and this is one scripture that he went back to and he, he then said, go back to verse 7 and then go back to verse 9 because here's the answer. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. This is the answer to the plastic people, the people that say one thing and do another, the people that compartmentalize their life and say, I'm going to live good here, but and I have a few bad areas, but that's okay because I'm living good this much up here. No, sin is still sin, and so we have to address it. And he says, thank God for the blood of Jesus that does address it because we couldn't do it on our own. We have to have the blood of Jesus Christ to address our sin, and from that we are cleansed, brothers and sisters. We are cleansed. And then verse number nine, he said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't want to be a, as, as Ken Gurley said, I don't want it to be a, a replica, a real uh, replica. I want to be a real fake. I, I don't want to be a real fake replica. I want to be the real thing is what I'm trying to say. And that's basic, but it takes both grace and truth to do that. It, it's not just, you can't just wag the Bible over your life and say, hey, this is what I want to be, because we're imperfect people. You have to know that you have to have a relationship between grace and truth in your life. Is that too basic for you? Maybe it is for some, but that is how you grow in Jesus Christ. That is how you grow your life in him is to walk in grace and to know that you don't have to beat yourself up every time you make a mistake, but you do have to come to Jesus, amen? You do have to put it under the blood. You do have to do the work and application that he gives us to do it, amen? And I close with this. Jesus died on the cross and the application is done in baptism and in filling of God's spirit, but 
I was, I'm painting. How many like to paint? Anybody like to paint? Oh, maybe one hand. I, God bless you, brother. You can come to my house and paint everything I need to paint at my house. I hate painting. I hate painting with a passion. I hate painting like Jesus hates the devil. I hate painting. <laughs> Did I mention I hate painting? And so we're painting right now at work, and they keep on adding things. Um, it's, it's slow. I, I do something completely different. I don't paint. I'm not a painter. But we're cleaning up the environment downstairs in the, in, in the place where I work. And so we're painting walls, and we're just doing stuff because we're slow, and then we'll pick up, and I won't be doing that. I'll be doing what, what I went to school for, okay? So we're just all chipping in. And the application process, some people get hung up on this in truth because they don't understand that if you just believe some things, they don't get done. I, I, would, I don't like painting so much. I believe the downstairs at my work can be painted. I believe there's paint that will cover the walls. I believe there's paint that will cover the stain on the walls, get some kilns. You know, I believe there's, I believe all that. But does that paint the walls at the basement at work? No, it doesn't. So the application process is important. The paint in the can can cover the walls. But until somebody takes it out and applies it to the walls, it's not actually doing, it's paint. It will paint walls. But somebody has to put it on the wall for it to do the job. And the same is true with baptism. When you're baptized in Jesus' name, Acts 2, 38, you guys can get that for me as I finish. God's redemptive blood was shed on the cross, Amen. His blood covers sin, amen? We celebrate that. His blood is greater than any mistake. His grace is stronger and pulls people into covenant with him. Thank God, amen? But when we know his grace and don't apply it, when we know his blood can do that, but we don't apply it, we leave the pain in the can. What it was designed to do is cover walls. It's designed to cover things, designed to paint. God's blood was designed to cover things, designed to cover sin. He died on the cross, and it had its perfect work, and he said it is finished, so no sin is bigger than the blood of the Lamb. No sin is greater than the covering of the blood of the Lamb. But we need to apply it to our life. You've got to open the, the paint can. You've got to pour it into the paint pan. You've got to get out the roller. And someone's got to do the work of putting it on the wall. It's not works. It's a work of righteousness. Because the work of it has already been done at the cross. All we're doing is applying what's already been finished. Amen. And so he says, repent and be baptized. Peter stands up and pre preaches this message. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's where the paint gets applied. That's where the blood gets applied. Baptism remits sin. It covers your life and applies the, the blood of Jesus Christ to your life, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is the application process. So we can talk about grace drawing and pulling, and we can talk about loving truth, and we can talk about all of those things, but we must be willing 
to apply what God has already finished to our life. We're saved in Him, amen? Now, you may not agree with some of what I just said, and I, I want you to know that I speak it in love, and I will talk, definitely have a Bible study with you anytime you want. Because we can either argue over the color of the paint, or we can apply it to the lives of people that need it, amen? We can either say, no, that wall should be green. No, that wall should be blue. Or we can say, no, someone needs to just apply the paint and make something beautiful that was ugly. Someone needs to just apply the blood to their life and make something sin that was ugly more beautiful. And we have beauty in him, amen? We become real in him. Would you stand with me right now? Jesus, would you help somebody to apply the blood to their life? Would you help them to reach for you in a way they've never reached for you? Would you remove the sin stains on the walls of our life by covering us in the blood? Would you help us today to become real people? If there's part, compartments of our life that we've closed off, that we have said, no, I'm good everywhere else. I, I don't need to address that. Jesus, would you give us the grace to address those things today? And would you help us? Would you help us to love truth more than the thing that we have left in our life? Would you help us to have grace pull us towards your truth? And so that in the end, we can truly say we have become like you, Lord, that our reputation and our character and, and, everything, and what people perceive us to be are all the same, but we look like you, Jesus. We walk like you. We talk like you. Help us to be those kind of people today. I know it's so basic, but Lord, give us grace and truth in our life. In Jesus' precious name, we're going to sing this song together. You can pray. The altar's open. If you need to go, I understand, but take a moment and just ask the Lord to strengthen his grace in your life that pulls you toward the truth of God's word.